Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Neil Thompson Speaks, where we talk to people who broke free of the corporate world shackles to start their own business. I'm your host, Neil Thompson, official corporate shackle breaker. You can find this podcast on my website, neilthompsonspeaks.com. You can also find us on iTunes or on Stitcher. Please subscribe and share. Today's guest is David Fares. David has lived quite the life. He's worked as a consultant, attorney, mediator, facilitator, trainer, college professor, and a learning, performance, and quality business executive. He's currently the president and senior consultant at New Perspectives, LLC. New Perspectives offers consulting, training, and mediation services, among other things. I look forward to learning about David's journey through his many careers, his entrepreneurial spirit, and his plans for the future. It's bound to be an interesting half hour. Let's bring him in now. Hello, David. Welcome to Neil Thompson Speaks. Hey, Neil. Thank you, uh, Thank you for having me today. Excellent. First question. As a child, what did you want to be when you grow up? I think, uh, Neil, you know, this may sound um, a little bit uh, presumptuous, but I think I wanted to be president of the United States. That's what that's what I aspired to as a child. Um, and I, I don't know, you know, how that thought got into my head, but uh, it was something I, I thought I was capable of. Huh. Well, you know, in, in four years, you still have a, a, a shot at it. You know, the two candidates <laughs> that are running right now, their approval ratings aren't the best, so maybe you can do a little better. Maybe the way things are going, I, I have a shot at it this year as a write-in. You never know. <laughs> you never know, absolutely. So um, when you finish, um, you, you know, you, I've mentioned you had a number of jobs, you know, going you know, through life. What was your first adult job? I think. Um, probably my first real adult job was as an attorney, but um, when I was about um, 19 years old, I, I took a job, a full-time job, uh, as I was also going to school at a place called Cabot Drugs, and I was their floor manager, which primarily meant I was in charge of their floor merchandising and managing some of the uh, people who uh, stock the shelves and those kinds of things. So that was probably my first adult job. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, oh, well, yeah, as I said, I mentioned you, you've had a number of, in the intro I mentioned you've had a number of, of jobs throughout your life. Why don't you tell us, you know, outside of the Cabot Drugs job, the other jobs that you've had, you know, throughout your life, and what prompted you to change them since you've had so many of them? All right. Well, kind of starting with the Cavett drug job, as I was saying, I was I was going to school at the time, and ultimately uh, I completed my undergraduate education and went into uh, law school at DePaul University. I lived in Chicago at the time. Um, when I came out of uh, DePaul, 
Uh, I went into practice with uh, as a an, an associate with a couple of uh, partners who had been in business for a number of years, and ultimately over the course of about um, uh, five or six uh, years, um, I became a I became a junior partner and then a full partner in that firm. Towards the end of my career as a lawyer, which was about 15 years into it, 14 years into it, um, I, I, I became disgruntled, not with the work that I was doing, because I, I loved the skill set that was required of uh, being a lawyer, but more with uh, the actual process of, of law and how it works, what it required. It was continually conflictual. It was never looking for... Um, for solutions, um, it was managing somebody's problems by basically getting them money in some way, shape, or form, and that was that was not fulfilling. The second reason that I started to look elsewhere was because in the practice of law, uh, clients are often not satisfied. It doesn't, you know, how good of a job you did for them. Um, they were always looking for something that the law itself wasn't able to provide. And so I became a little bit disgruntled with that, and I began to move to mediation uh, as a means to uh, bring disputes to, uh, let's say, happier things. Um, and at that point, I moved out of Chicago. I moved to New Mexico, and I took on a, with a place called the New Mexico Center for Dispute Resolution as a program manager, and I ran a number of mediation programs, primarily with uh, at-risk youth, uh, uh, junior high students, high school students who couldn't get along, uh, parent-child mediation, parents and children who weren't able to uh, get it together, um, victim-offender mediation. Um, and in the course of that, I began to also train in conflict resolution and in mediation. So I'm going to stop there because there are there are more steps in the uh, you know in the in my path. But uh, I don't know if you have any questions or if I'm giving you more than you want, Neil. Oh no, this is very interesting. Out of curiosity, moving from being an attorney to being a mediator, is there extra training that is extra training that you have to do? Is this a, is it like being a lawyer where you have to be? licensed in the state in which you are a mediator? Is that how it works? No, there's no licensing for mediators, but there is a there is a specific skill set and a specific mindset. And so I went through mediation training at, while I was still practicing law um, and began to mediate some legal disputes. Uh, but then when I moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico, and took up with the New Mexico Center for Dispute Resolution, I took further conflict resolution and mediation training in order to, uh, you know, get a certification but not a state-required license. Oh, okay. So, is it, so a certification is, is not necessary? So any, is it, I'm just curious, is a certification necessary or is it just something that you, you, you um, pursued just to make you a better mediator? Yep, not not necessary, but something I pursued to make me a better mediator. And just just for clarity, a certification is any training program uh, at the end of which you receive a certificate acknowledging that you went through the training. So it's not always necessarily a state licensed uh, type of requirement. And in mediation, oh, okay. it is not. All right, all right. That's uh, that's interesting. I, 
the only thing I know about mediation is it's different from arbitration in that mediation is not legally binding. Is that that the case? That's that's absolutely that's absolutely correct. When people when people agree to arbitrate, they agree to a a judge who's not sitting in a courtroom to make a decision on their case after hearing evidence. In a mediation, they agree to a a mediator um, who who listens to both sides of the story, who facilitates a discussion so that the parties hear what the other is saying, making sure there's understanding, and then moving to mutually beneficial solutions uh, as opposed to making a decision based on one or the other party's point of view. Right. I would assume that people that agree to mediation are a bit more open to compromise as opposed to ones that insist on arbitration. Would that be fair to say? Um, not not always. I think it. I think it's probably a good generalization, but not always. Not always true. Um, sometimes people are forced into arbitration because they've signed an agreement somewhere along the line that said they're going to agree to arbitrate. And at the point that arbitration faces them, they're not very happy about it. Uh, mediation um, is now offered, you know, pretty routinely in a lot of types of court instances so that before a case, after a case is filed, but a, before a case goes to trial, uh, the judge will kind of, uh, strong arm, if you will, the parties into into a mediation session to see if they can settle the dispute amongst them. Um, so I think probably generally your statement is true, but there's a lot of specific instances where uh, where it may not apply. Oh, okay. All right, got it. So you started off at, at Cabot Trubs. You worked as an attorney. You were an associate and a junior partner and a partner. You came to scrums with that. You became a mediator. Eventually, you decide, you know, you're going to go into business for yourself as a self-employed person. What motivated you to become an entrepreneur? Okay, so let me give you just a couple quick steps in between there. Um, so after after the after mediation, um, I moved to San Diego, not for not for business or professional purposes, but for personal reasons, and. When I got to San Diego, uh, I was looking for work, and I took on uh, a consulting job with uh, a healthcare company. At that time, it was called Pacific Care, and I ran a training development project for them. And it was there that I kind of shifted my skill set in training that I really had developed as a uh, adjunct professor professor uh, at DePaul University, but also as a uh, at the New Mexico Center for Dis Dispute Resolution, and I took that skill set and applied it in the corporate setting. And so from there, I, I went from Pacific Care to Aetna. I was at Pacific Care for four years. I was at Aetna for 12 years, all in the learning uh, performance and quality arena as a uh, senior director of learning for Aetna kind of across the, the company and across all uh, across all of the functions and and it was uh it, it was from there that i decided to um as you say uh you know express my entrepreneurial spirit and uh and open my business new perspectives leadership and what caused me what caused me to do that neil was <clears throat> 
as you as you well know, um, corporations uh, are fluid entities. They change continually, um, and the leadership changes. The policies change. The processes change. The business dynamics change. The values change. And having been in the corporate the, the corporate world in the capacity I was in it for uh, 15 or 16 years, um, I, I had, I don't want to use the word soured, I didn't sour on it, but um, I was looking, I was looking some, for something that was more fulfilling to me. Um, and I think, you know, always along my path, every time I've made a choice, it's been a choice because because I want to kind of move to the move to the next adventure, if you will, and also conveniently at the time um, I was uh, I was being offered uh, Aetna in general was offering uh, a uh, early retirement package to anybody who had uh, years of service and age that matched 65. So. Uh, I fit into the category. I saw the opportunity, um, and I said, "You know what? I think I think I'd prefer to do this to take this, uh, take you know the benefit of a little extra money, um, and go off and start my own business." And so that's kind of what pushed me into uh, the business uh, that I now call New Perspectives. Excellent. Most people, when they're thinking about forming their own business, one of the things that holds them back is the fear of, of starting their own business and being on their own, not being supported or backed up by a company. If, did you feel any sort of fear in, in starting your business? And if so, how'd you get past it? <laughs> um, yeah, I think I, I definitively uh, felt fear or had concern um, because the future, you know, you you never know what the future is going to bring you, and and you're you're taking a risk, you know. But it, I also I also thought of it in this context. If I stayed where I was, I didn't think I was taking a risk because you know I had that paycheck coming in every two weeks. But really, I was taking a risk by staying where I was because at any point, um, they they being the the corporate company that I worked with could decide that it was time to uh, downsize, you know, time to, uh, as they call it, to do their spring trimming, um, or, you know, for performance reasons, perhaps, I could have been let go. Um, and, and as I looked at it, you know, taking the risk of moving into my own business um, was probably equal to the likelihood that, that ultimately I would be downsized out of of the company, and so that really that really helped kind of kind of changing my perspective on how I looked at it really helped move me into the to the next step and eliminate some of the fear, knowing that you know well if things didn't work out uh, I'm a fully capable human being with a lot of skills and a decent education in order to find a, another corporate job or other job if I needed to so that that kind of that kind of helped get me through it you know I, you you bring up a, a very good point david a lot of people figure that staying in a corporate job is the secure route but as you 
as you eloquently said, there's no security anymore in being uh, an employee at a company. You know, you could be an employee today, and by the end of the day, you could be an ex-employee. So, you know, going into business for yourself isn't necessarily less or more risky than staying on at a company. So tell us a bit about New Perspectives. What does your work entail? So uh, New Perspectives is a... um, company where my my focus is uh, the things I do is I do mediation and I build and deliver and develop and design training for uh, small companies, large companies, um, organizations, groups. I I develop leaders uh, through training. Um, I I work on teams uh, communication and work skills. Uh, These are the kinds of things I do. Um, my my uh, philosophy, I guess you would say, is uh, is that we develop the leader in you, and that's kind of that's kind of the tagline for new perspectives. What that what that means is that everybody has a leader within them, it, it, and it really, truly, every person has to lead themselves through life. And my take, my approach to leadership training or skills training or communication training um, is that if you know who you are, you are better able to affect your world outside of you. In other words, you're better, you're better able to lead yourself through life and create functional and, and collaborative relationships with those people you come into and provide value to um, the people you're working with, the, the company you're working with, or to the, if you want to get 60,000 feet, you know, to the world in general. Um, and so that's, that's kind of how, uh, how new perspectives um, kind of differentiates itself, I think, from uh, other businesses who provide leadership training and team building, as I do, um, is the perspective, if you will, uh, not to be coy, uh, is is different in terms of how do you get at being a leader? How do you get at building a team? How do you get at communication? How do you get at time management? And to me, it all has to do with perspective and particularly understanding who you are so you you better affect um, and perform in everything you do. Excellent, excellent. Another issue that people think of starting their a business come across, in addition to the fear of starting the business, is getting clients. What do you do with your business to, to get clients? Do you do any sort of, of marketing, or do you get most of your business through referrals? Well, um, I, I am I am a I am a one man business uh, right now and have been since I started in 2012. So a lot of my business comes has come from referrals. Um, I think I think it's a double edged sword uh, having your own business in part particularly being the sole employee of your own business um, because. If you let me give you a for instance, you know, I took on a client for two and a half years, and it was almost a full-time consulting client. So during that two and a half years, it was more difficult for me uh, to market the business to others, or even to seek other other uh, 
you know, contract opportunities or consulting opportunities because I was so dedicated to I was so dedicated to this one client, um, and so I think that's the double edge the double edged sword of it. Um, it referrals referrals networking um, people that I've known these are these are really good uh, sources of referral. Uh, I think um, I I better need to develop my. Uh, online presence, my e-marketing strategy, um, and even to kind of rethink the organization of my business. Do I want to continue to be a one-man show or kind of grow the business a little bit um, in order to expand the client base? So I don't know if I answered your question, Neil, but... Oh, well, yeah, you, you most certainly did. You, you, you're, exploring different, you're exploring different strategies. That definitely answers the question. Another issue that people that are thinking about going to business for themselves come across is, well, once you are you work for yourself, you're not getting paid every other week like you were when you were an employee. So there are some times where the business is going really great and you're making money hand over fist, and there's other times when it's, it's kind of not really coming in the, the way you want it to. What strategies do you have for the people listening to get through those lean times? I, I think the I think the primary world, word um, it, to me is is resilience, and to me what resilience means is in at least in the context that you're that you're asking the question means is that you um, as you're as you say making hand money hand over over fist you have to have perspective and understanding that when you're marketing yourself. That there's there's going to be there's going to be leaner times, and are you putting away for those leaner leaner times? Because I think our tendency, uh, well, I can't speak for everybody, but I think a tendency of of some human beings is to uh, is to kind of whatever whatever they're taking in, you know, they're laying back out again. Um, it's the kind of the nature of the universe that we should be doing that. And if you, if you, if you don't put kind of a plan in place, a financial plan in place in order to keep yourself viable during those times when you're lean, um, you're going to, you're going to run into trouble and your business is going to fail. So I think that's the most important thing is understand that, that, you need financial backing, and and you also need to. I think the other thing that's important is you also need to kind of expand yourself, expand your network. I work with I work with other uh, strategic partners, let's call them, um, so that when I have more work than I can handle, I've got a network to go out and uh, kind of subcontract, if you will, some of that work to, um, and my expenses grow during that time. And then. As as you hit leaner times, um, you need to also kind of pull back your your expenses, um, where you're spending and why you're spending, um, in order to to conserve for uh, the next hand over fist period. Yes, that's, that's that's definitely great advice. So for people that are contemplating going into business themselves, you, you mentioned you know. Uh, Subcontract having a network that you can subcontract to during those those boom times, you know, saving away, you know, sucking away your 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 resources during you know, those lean times. Any other advice you would have for someone that is contemplating going into business for themselves? I think um, I think trust. Um, 
I mean, you have to have a basic trust and confidence in yourself that you've brought yourself in this direction. So the debilitating effect, the, the de- debilitating event is fear. And you kind of talked about it in your question in the early beginning. How did you kind of get through the fear going off on your on business your own? Um, so fear is very debilitating. And if you move yourself into a a feeling or a state of fear, then you can clamp down, if you will, um, the energy of moving forward. And suddenly you, without knowing it, you're stopping yourself. And so I think, I think having trust that you're moving yourself in the right direction and you, and you took this move in order to, um, in order to explore a better life and then uh, confidence in your skills and ability and and then I think the the third part of that is uh, is plotting forward. You know, you you need to kind of need to kind of center yourself and keep moving forward in the direction that you're headed. And your plans, you know, you put people put together plans. Plans don't always, uh, um, you know, come out as you expected them to. And I think you have to have an understanding of that as well. Uh, and be not only not only that resilient person, but trusting, confident, and uh, willing to accept that there's a there's a larger there's a larger picture out there sometimes than you can see. And if if you if you if you stay focused, uh, that picture will clarify itself. That's excellent advice, David. Thank you for that. So that actually seems like a pretty good place to to end. Again, thank you for for taking time for today. How can people find you? Um, they can find me on the web at uh, www.newperspectivesleadership.com, um, or they can go to David at David F is in Frank A R E S as in sam.com either one will bring you either one will bring you to my site um or they can call my office number at 858 271 excellent excellent again thanks for for taking time for speaking to us today and for people that are listening in you heard david if you have any sort of you know, consulting needs in terms of training or or mediation services that you need Again, David be the guy to call. Again, Dave, David, thank you. Thanks again for calling in to Neil Thompson Speaks. Hey, Neil, it's been my pleasure. Well, everybody, uh, thank you for tuning in to Neil Thompson Speaks. Another episode is in the books. To learn more about me and Neil Thompson Speaks, please visit neilthompsonspeaks.com. That's N-E-I-L-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N-S-P-E-A-K-S.com. You can also check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. There are links from my website to those social media platforms in addition to a link to the podcast. Until next time, please take care.